Hey guys, welcome to Authentic Talks. I have an awesome episode for you today where we are talking to a former firefighter and I thought that it would be awesome for us to step into this world and find out what is it like, what do they experience, and he is writing this for the fire department leadership. It crosses over, you guys. It transcends into corporate America leadership as well as any business, even for entrepreneurs. And so I thought it would be an awesome time for us to get a different perspective from another side of uh, our service, uh, which is the fire department. On this episode, you're going to meet John Cuomo, who is a new author, you guys, and he is a firefighter and a paramedic, author and an owner of Wild Bull Media Inc. With over 21 years of experience as a firefighter, John is passionate about the fire and police communities and the service they provide to our community. In his career, John served as a driver, engineer, lieutenant, and captain and stepped up as EMS chief, battalion chief, and training chief. He has also served as a fire and police department pension representative for 10 years. When he is not reading books or collecting Spider-Man comics, John is currently working on a new book about PTSD and mental health within the fire service, a subject he considers a priority. With more advocacy, John hopes to reduce the stigma associated with PTSD, and I'm excited for you to welcome John to this episode of Authentic Talks. Before I bring John on, I do want to take a moment to welcome each and every last one of you personally for tuning in, and I want to extend an open invitation for you to come back and tune in again and again. If you haven't had a chance to subscribe to Authentic Talks, what are you waiting for? Hit that subscribe button, that way you won't miss an episode once I upload a show. Don't forget to connect with Authentic Talks 2.0 on all of social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, as well as Pinterest. Stay connected with Authentic Talks 2.0 by visiting www.authentictalks2.com. And I'm sending a special shout out to Book Launchers. You guys have to check them out on YouTube, Book Launchers. All right, you guys, let's get on with this episode. Please welcome John. Authentic Talks is all about authentic conversations. This show is all about growth, love, respect, success, mind, body, and spirit. If you're looking to grow and become your authentic self, then this is the podcast for you. And I am your host, Shantae. Welcome to the show. Hi, John. Welcome to Authentic Talks. I'm really excited that you're here joining me today. You wrote your book, and I'm excited to talk about that new book that you have out there. How are you doing today? Very good. Very good, Shante. It's really nice to meet you and really nice to be here with you. I was looking forward to this. I've really enjoyed listening to some of your prior discussions. And I want to thank you for reaching out to try to make the world a better place. I really love that. And your audience, you know, they must be kindred spirits as you as if they're listening. So I'm very grateful because that's the whole goal. It should be for all of us. If we're all reaching out to make it a better world and we're going to have that. So thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited about it. And, and thank you for writing this book. We need to have this information in our life. Before we dive in, can I have you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Yeah, my name is John Cuomo. I was uh, born in Brooklyn, New York, and spent the first 17 years or so there. And then my family moved to Florida and came down with them. And after uh, working in a few construction jobs, um, I went into the fire service got hired there and absolutely fell in love with the fire service. 100%. I love it. I'm, I'm hoping I stay with it for the rest of my life. I'm retired from the job that I did right now, but writing this book and I'm trying to get back into uh, helping firefighters to progress and also helping fire departments to see some of the areas that I, I pinpoint to help in their uh, leadership culture in their departments as well. I have a wife and two wonderful kids. And I've been married. I just celebrated my 30th anniversary with my wife. So uh, it's, wow. uh, things, yeah, things are going very well. Congratulations. Before we dive in and talk about leadership and the book, we got to talk about how do you stay married for 30 years? What's the secret? The secret is get lucky like I did and find <laughs> the best woman in the whole world <laughs> who puts oh. up with you and helps mold you into the man that she wants you to be. Uh, you know, it's so funny, Shantae, when I was dating my wife, I don't know how this came into my mind. It was kind of a weird thing. I said to her, you know, first of all, the moment I met her, I had been dating other girls before, but the moment I met her, I knew absolutely I was done. This was the woman I want to be with for the rest of my life. And I, I could not wait to be with her and marry her, which I wasn't even thinking about marriage. But as soon as I saw her, that was it. But oh, while you got we got lucky, yes, Definitely. I did. I did. <laughs> but while I was dating, I said to her, you know, if you just do everything you can, you wake up each day and you do everything you can to make me happy. And that kind of sounds chauvinistic, <laughs> but I know, but let me finish the sentence and I'll wake up every day to do everything I possibly can to make you happy. We're never going to have a problem. And we've kind of, we've really kind of worked towards that goal. Always. We try to help each other progress become better. We were very young when we got married. I was only 22. So, you know, I was young and inexperienced and dumb in a lot of ways, you know, and um, so we tried to work together and that's what we did. We both put effort into it. You know, everyone always says there's ups and downs, but I have to say there's very, very few downs we've had. Very, very few downs. I've been very blessed. Do I hear another book in the works? It sounds like a relationship book could come. <laughs> I was actually talking to someone about that today, perhaps. But I actually do have another book. I'm halfway through with another book on PTSD, but maybe uh, eventually down the road. I, I would love to write something about relationships because through the years, I've actually had a lot of experience in, in helping other married couples to try to, you know, and that's a whole different topic and another, another day. Mm -hmm. But I have had a lot of experience in that. So maybe that's, that's also helped me down the line. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I would say that you are definitely a lucky man and you have lots of good gifts to share with people because so there seems to be like a higher rate of people breaking up and parting ways. So when I hear 30 years and we're, this is after COVID, we're in the year 2022. I'm like, oh, what is the secret? <laughs> yeah. So that's, good you know, stuff. It, when you start from the beginning, try to spend as much time as you can together. My mom and dad would always tell us, you guys spend way too much time together. You're going to get sick of each other. And you know what? <laughs> it was actually the opposite. The more time we spent together, the tighter our relationship always got. 
if ever I got busy with the fire service, working 24 hour shifts or sometimes 48 hour shifts, or we got busy with other things, that's when things develop. That's when problems develop. So to be honest with you, during COVID, we got even tighter and we wish we could go back to that. Not that we want any problems for other people. You know, we don't want the COVID experience, but <laughs> we would love to get back to the point where we have to stay in and be together all the time and with our kids. And, you know, it, it was a wonderful experience. And I think that's one of the, one of the secrets is try to spend as much time as you can. And you know what, what else that does is it, you, you get to recognize if there's an issue that will come down the line. You know, if you're spending a lot of time together, there's nothing wrong with two people that are not matched for each other. Doesn't mean one person's bad or the other person. It just means that's not a perfect match. That's all. So if you're spending a lot of time in the beginning together, you get to see if there is a perfect match there, if there are other issues you could work on. So we were kind of blessed to actually be able to spend a lot of time together always. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. That was good oh, no stuff. Worries. Good My stuff. Pleasure. So you wrote this book. What? Tell me, what is the name of the book? Uh, leadership refined by fire. So it really is kind of a book about my experience in the fire service. I got hired. I was 21 years old. I had just turned 21. The book opens up with an experience of me being sent. Now I worked on the Island of Palm beach, which is 13 miles of beachfront there. And we always had things washing up on the ocean um, from the ocean onto the beach. So we'd get calls a lot about this is washed up or that's washed up. So one time, uh, very beginning in my career, we got a call for an object that washed up on the beach and we pull up and my lieutenant was, a, you know, he was a little lazy maybe. And he got tired of these calls. So he just said to me, John, run down the beach and go see what it is real quick. And he stayed at the engine. So I got out, you know, 21 year old kid and running down the beach. And, and I go look at this, this object. There's a crowd gathered around there. I run up, I get through the crowd to look. I'm all excited. And then next thing I know, it's a missile sitting on the beach. A and missile? all of a sudden, like yep, a, like a military missile. Oh, yep. And I'm, my stomach sinks, you know, and, and all of a sudden I'm like, what do I do? So I call back to my Lieutenant and I say, uh, looks like there's a missile. And he, he's like, you're an idiot. There's not a missile on the beach. <laughs> Tell me what it is. And I'm like, uh, Lieutenant, uh, sir, it looks like a missile. I don't know what to tell you. Eventually he gets down there, but what that was, was an incredibly eye-opening experience for me. I recognized that all of these individuals, whether I was in charge or not, looked to me for the answers, what to do. And it ended up being what was called a dummy missile. Now, this is what we were told by the Navy. So it may be true. It may not be. I don't know. But apparently they shoot certain missiles off and then they shoot another missile to hit that missile as a target practice. The dummy missile, the one they sh shot off, that's what was missed and floated up to the, to the oh. thing. So there was no explosives in it, but it certainly looked like a regular missile. Yeah. Whether that's true or that's just information the Navy gave us to, to, to quiet us, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm just going with what official Navy words were. But uh. either way, it could have had explosives in it. I didn't know. I put all the, these people were could have been in danger. I didn't know how to handle it right away. So it was an immediate eye-opening experience for me that, John, you have to learn how to take charge of a situation. You have to learn how to handle customers, it, not just fires, because we did all the medical. I was a paramedic as well. And we handled all 911 calls, hazardous materials, wow. car accidents, anything and everything except arresting people. We literally did everything else. So wow. it became an eye-opening experience. And I began to start studying all the different things about fire service, but then interpersonal relationships. 
How do I lead people? How do I take a crew of individual men and women and say, you know what? Go into that building right there that everybody is running out of terrified. Go in there and put the fire out. And they're going to listen to me. How do I have that ability? How do I uh, give off that leadership skill that those individuals are going to look to me and say, yes, I'm putting my life on the line, but I trust you enough that you know what you're doing, that we're going to go do this together. And so all these things came to me and I began to really dig in and do a lot of research. I've read all kinds of books uh, on all kinds of leaders, whether they be presidents of the United States or military leaders, civil rights leaders, because it, I wanted to have every different aspect. Psychology I dug into and, and in every way I possibly could so that I could actually- That's what makes a great book. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. If you, in my book, I, I have, a, I think, about 150 or 60 quotes of different individuals, uh, some of their life experiences, some of their quotes that they had, and how that intertwines with you leading individuals in the fire service. But the interesting thing is it has nothing really to do with the fire service. The book can be used in your own life personally, and I go over that always. Throughout the book, I keep saying it starts with you first. How do we do this? Well, it starts with you first as an individual. You have to work on this, 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 and this. It could be used in business if you're in a business situation and you have, um, you know, you're running a business or you're a manager of individuals or you want to be a manager or you want to be the CEO. It really works for any situation. It doesn't work just for the fire service because, like I said, it wasn't. It's not a book on on how to put fires out or how to read smoke or how to do search and rescue or drag hose. None of the fire service part is in there. It's mm -hmm. all interpersonal dynamics. I love it. We need to have a step-by-step -step development plan to help us to improve leadership skills. So I think it's perfect. And I think that people have been on this break from like COVID. And now, like I said, everybody's starting to go back into the office. And so yeah. even people who were already in leadership roles, like could have refreshers and maybe there's something that you touch upon that they weren't aware of. Like I talk to a lot of business people. And one of the things that keeps coming up over and over and over again is them being able to implement self-care. That's uh, it's an often overlooked aspect of leadership. And actually it affects you in two different ways. If you're not taking care of yourself, number one, you're going to eventually crash. It, you, you can't continue on that route. But number two, you also have to set the example for others. Everything you do as a leader sets the example for others. You can't possibly tell individuals to go and do this, that, or the other thing when you yourself are not doing that. And it's, it could be self-care. It could be anything. You know, you could be fighting a fire. You could be on assembly line doing something, whatever it is. If you're not setting the lead, the example, they're just never going to listen to you. But the other part is if you don't, especially in, in places like the fire service and the police service, military, if you don't do self-care, eventually it's going to lead to a significant crash. And it's one of the other books I'm working on is PTSD because you, you, it builds up. Like I was saying to you in many States, the fire service does both the medical and the fire. So you go on a call, you know, we had an individual and I kind of write it in the book. I talk a little bit about it in the book. He went on a, a drowning victim. It was a small child in a pool. And for the fire service, firefighters are like child-making factories. You go in there and they're just pumping kids out constantly. It's like every other month is who's having a child, you know, somewhere. <laughs> hey, congratulations. <laughs> He's having a child. They're having a child. She's having a child. You know, somebody's always having a kid. Police and firefighters, they're popping kids out like crazy. But 
So when you have children in your family like that, and you run on calls with children, it's very difficult. It, it brings up your own kids in your mind. It's a very difficult thing to get past. And this individual, we didn't have self-care. We didn't have that kind of PTSD care for him at the time. Mm. And immediately he was the officer in charge and immediately he was affected by it. He couldn't get past the situation. And sadly, you know, uh, the fire service is kind of like a macho field. And so if you ever show signs of emotion, sometimes it's really picked on or looked down upon. And that's what happened with him. People mm. were looking at him like, you know, what's wrong with him? Why can't he get past this? This is our job. If you can't do the job, you shouldn't be here. You know, all these kind of statements were being made instead of saying, okay, how can we help you pass this? Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, he finally got some psychological help. He finally got some professional help, but to be honest with you, he was never the same. And it may have been because of the fact that it wasn't initially addressed, but that's but taking, trauma. Yes, that it is. is. And taking care of yourself physically, like uh, eating correctly, exercising and doing things like that. Also, again, in my book on the PTSD, that's a big part of it, helping heal even traumatic experiences like that. You are a firefighter in that arena, and it's been like over two decades. Before we hit record, you mentioned officer, and I thought that you were referring to firefighters and police officers showing up together like on a scene, you know, because we used to see like ambulance like with fire, I think. I could oh. explain the whole thing to you. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> sure. So we do use the terminology officer. And, and, and you're right, most people would equate that with a police officer. Now, while in many cases, the police department does show up on the scene with the fire department, let's just keep them out of this. So what, where conversation is, is, has nothing to do with police. In the fire service, you have different levels of promotion or uh, individuals in charge. So it'll start out, most of the fire departments are the same. You start out as a firefighter. You can get promoted to a driver engineer, and that's the individual that drives the engine. And he also is the one that pumps the water. So people might go in a fire, he's out there, and he's making sure all the water is coming in at the proper pressures and things like that. From there, you can get promoted to lieutenant. And usually the lieutenant's on charge of the rescue part, because at least in South Florida, where I live, and many other states are moving this direction. The fire service has been taking over all medical, emergency medical. So if you call 911 for a heart attack here, or if you call 911 for a diabetic emergency, the fire department is the one that handles it. So we'll send a fire engine and a fire rescue truck, which people call an ambulance. And that's just the fire service. Now, other states are a little different. They may have private ambulances still. But in our area, it's all done by the city fire department. So a lieutenant is usually in charge of the rescue part. A captain is the next level of promotion. He is usually in charge of the station or the whole station with all the units, plus a fire engine and a crew goes with it. And then from there, you have battalion chiefs. So it'll go up to the next level. And the way it works is you have a station in the, in the middle of a city. You might have five stations or 10 stations. One station might have a rescue and an engine. So you have a lieutenant and a captain. And then you have battalion chiefs above them. And he's in charge of maybe five stations. Then there's another battalion chief in the city. He's in charge of another five stations. And then from there, you have assistant chief above them. He's in charge of all the battalion chiefs and lower. And then you have a chief. There's also deputy chiefs and other things like that. But to make matters simple, 
that's kind of a simple thing. You go chief, battalion chief, captain, lieutenant, and then driver and firefighter. That was good because I didn't know that. So I feel like I learned something right there, you know? Yeah. So if you call somebody, if you hear a firefighter say my officer, he's talking about the individual that's in charge of his crew. So as a firefighter, my officer was a lieutenant or a captain. When I was a lieutenant or a captain, my officer was the battalion chief. When I was stepping up as a battalion chief, my officer would be the assistant chief. So it was whoever was above you in rank. Got it. That's good stuff. The book that you wrote, it is like a book where, like you said, it's for everybody really who wants to go into leadership or who's already in leadership. But I love the fact that like you're a firefighter, although this language is universal, you're speaking their language. Yes. yes, (laughs) You know? And you know what, Shante? I absolutely love the fire service. I think it's just, to me, it's like we the do military. too, John. Oh, very good. Very good. <laughs> it's like the military. You know, you look at the military and they protect us and you just feel like you could go to sleep at night. You know, you're well protected by the best military in the world. And I feel that way about the fire service. You know, we have an opportunity to intermingle with all of the people that we serve, whether it be a city or a town and protect them and take care of them. And when they're hurt, we fix those, those situations. We make things better for them. I absolutely loved serving my customers. I loved being a firefighter. And, it, and I think a firefighter should grab the book because even it talks about this in the book. Not every firefighter wants to achieve the ultimate role of promotion to the chief. Some want to get to battalion chief. Some want to just get to captain. Some want to stay firefighter. And that's perfect. We need that because we need firefighters in the, in the fire service. But you should always be the best that you can be. So you should always reach out and look through that and say, how can I improve myself in this position as firefighter? Because everybody counts on you. Even though you may not be in charge of that crew, you're responsible to everybody else in that crew. They're counting on you to be the best you can be. And you know what, John, when we see them, we see them as leaders. We don't know that like, the ranking, you know, so like, right. even if they're not, you know, in the half staff or whatever, you know, right yeah. No, exactly. That was the point that, that I, that hit me with that call. when I was like, look, they were looking at it to me. They didn't know I was Lieutenant or not Lieutenant. You were the firefighter. You're here, fix the situation. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm sitting there <laughs> like, you know, what's going on. I have no idea what to do. So yeah, you're right. That's everybody looks to you and says, okay, you're here. This is your job. You know, please you know, help fix the situation. By the way, um, I thank you for your service, your family service as your husband is uh, in the military, correct? Is that- yes, yes. Okay. Right. Well, he's, 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 uh, yeah, was, he's retired. Yes. Yeah. I am too, by the way, I did 24 years. I retired out and now uh, I spent, I've been out about six or seven years, but the last 15 years I've been writing this book, especially the last eight heavy. So, but I don't want to confuse the audience. I'm no longer a firefighter at this moment. Well, congratulations on writing your book and thank you for your service. 20 something years. My husband did that same amount of time too. So I think it's good stuff. Yeah. One of the things that you talk about in your book is four principles to become an effective, inspiring fire service leader. If someone was tuning in like our fire department, what would that person need to hear? What would they need to do to become a leader within this industry? First and foremost, you want to get to know your job. That that probably starts, it sounds kind of basic, 
Excuse me. That's some um, good advice because yeah, that's important. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. you know, because you just can't if you're not doing your job, you can't lead others, and people see right through that. You know, they will. The difficulty in the fire service is we do everything, as I was explaining to you. So we're yeah, doing all the lot. medical, we're doing all the fire, the hazardous materials. So you have to get to know all these different things. And that leads into one of your second things. And that is the constant train. If you're not constantly training, you've fallen behind. You know, you, you have to constantly train because there's always new equipment coming out as well. There's always new protocols. Every single year, our medical protocols change. So the drugs that we give individuals. So if, if somebody's, if I come upon a scene and somebody's having chest pain, we put the EKG on, you know, we read what the EKG says, depending on what the EKG says and some of their past history, you have to give certain drugs. Now, those drugs change in dosage and even the drugs themselves year to year. So you have to constantly study these things. You have to know that. So three o'clock in the morning, if you're jarred out of sleep and you run on a call and this is what the person is presenting, you, all that has to come back to your mind. You have to keep training. You have to keep studying. Another aspect is to set the example. You know, you have to set an example. If you're not living it, if you're not walking down the path, then there's no point in trying to reach out to become a leader. What, John, are you saying that we have to, we can't just talk the talk. We got to walk the walk. Yes, yes, you have to walk the walk. <laughs> Unfortunately, Shante, you'll, you will come across individuals that won't. And so on, what ends up happening is they start you know, telling you what to do and how to do it. And then you recognize that they don't know their job and they're not doing it. And it puts you at a dichotomy. It puts you at a fork in the road. Do I get jaded? And do I feel like this is ridiculous that this guy or girl is telling me what to do and they don't know what they're, you know, what they're doing? Or do, does it say, okay, you know what? That's not the type of officer I want to be. That's not the leader I want to be. I learned from this individual that that's not who I want because it looked terrible to me. And you know what, Shante, as, as much as there's many things in the fire service that we know that the public doesn't know, there are things that they do know. So sometimes you go in there and you're talking to the public and I watch the faces of sometimes the people and they're seeing through the, the garbage that this person's spewing. And you don't want that. We never want to look like we don't know what we're doing. We're here to rescue and save the day. If you see that and you're underneath that person, it should be something that motivates you to say, okay, this is not what I want to be. I want to be something different than that. And so it should make you buckle down in your studies, you know, and, and learn. So setting example, the training, that's a big thing, making sure, you know, you know, your job and in, in, in every aspect of it. These are things that can help you lead others. I love that. That's good advice. Four tips that you guys can take away. And whether you're in the fire department or whether you're in corporate, working at a bank or anywhere, it's basic principles that yes. cross over. When you were a firefighter, how long did it take for you to move through the ranks? You know, I worked for a smaller department, Shante, and mm -hmm. be before I get there, can, can I just back up for one moment? Oh, absolutely. What you just said, when you were just saying that these tips go throughout in all business, besides the fact that, yeah, you know, I agree with you in my book, I actually bring out a lot of business examples. I talk about Microsoft, some of the things that happen with Microsoft, some of the airline industries There's actually filled with a lot of business examples. 
Because of what you just said, it's across the board, these kind of things. They apply not only when I say to the fire service, but they apply to all businesses. So we can learn from them as well, just like they can learn from us. We can all learn from each other. And so there are a lot of business examples in the book, Blockbuster, Netflix. There's a lot of different things that I wanted to bring in there to help the fire department learn from. As far as me, I worked in a smaller department. And so there wasn't as much room for advancement. We would go and as soon as I was eligible, you had to wait five years to be promoted to a driver. That was the first step. No, three years. I'm sorry. Three years to a driver. Soon as three years was up, I was taking the test. I think I got promoted on the fourth year. You had to be there at least five years to become a lieutenant. And as soon as the five years was up, I was taking every test. But our department only promoted one person off a test. And so there are departments that they will promote 10, 15, 20 people. So you have a better chance. So it took me three tries. I actually scored number one on every lieutenant test I took. But they would add seniority points at the end. So if somebody was there 20 years, right at the end, they would get a half a point per year. And that added 10 points right onto their final score. Oh. And I had five years on. So I got nothing. And they just, you know, practically nothing. So by my third time taking it, I was finally promoted. I think that was about the 12th year, 13th year. And then, then I was promoted to captain. And then from there, I was used constantly for battalion chief, training chief, EMS chief. In different positions. You know what I love is that you didn't give up. And regardless of how the point system was set up, you still went back and tried again. So when you talk about like being the 21 year old standing there and you knew then that you had to make a decision to be a leader or not, you took it to heart and it's like you went all the way. And then I love that you're sharing all of the great information in this book this is how you can get there too. These are the steps that you can take in your life, regardless of what your career is. There are some basic principles that we all need to have. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. I, I just wish a friend of mine that we were in the fire service together. She just read my book. She was just telling me, uh, she's like, this is the best book I've ever read. And, I you know, that. and I said, uh, she's my friend. Maybe she's just saying that, but she's been recommending it everywhere. But she's like, I wish you would have given this to me a long time ago. And my answer to her is, Don, I wish I had this 30 years ago. I wish when I started in my first career, five service career, I had this book to say, John, watch out for this mistake. Don't go down this dumb road. Don't say they'll do these things, but go down this, you know, take this. And I actually referenced that in the book. I talk about mentoring and finding a mentor. Mm -hmm. And I kind of give the illustration. I, and I say, if you had a child that wanted to go to college and, and get a, a career. And let's just say that child was in the computer industry. Now, computers are ubiquitous. They cover everything and everywhere. You can't just say, hey, I want to be in the computer industry. You have to pick, am I doing networking? Am I doing comp uh, programming? You know, am I doing web stuff, data entry? There's just a million different avenues you can go. And so you might get into an avenue that actually becomes outdated before you're even done with college. But imagine if you had someone like Bill Gates take you under their wing and they said, you know what, this is the future. This is the way it's going to go and take these courses and this will help you, you know, progress. And I, and I say the same thing. If you wanted to do banking, imagine Jamie Dimon was helping you, or if you wanted to do tennis, I worked for him before. Did you? Oh, I love Jamie Dimon. So I, I think he's a fantastic <laughs> leader. 
Mm-hmm. You, you were interested in doing tennis and Serena Williams came to you and said, okay, let me take you under my wing and show you this, this, and this. Think about all the processes you would, all the failures you would miss and how fast you can progress and the mistakes that you get past. And that's the kind of thing like the book is there for. It's to help as a mentor, one more mentor to say, be careful of these pitfalls, go down this road, push to go down this road here, and this will help you. Um, so I, there's a lot of information packed in there that I believe I kind of set it up that would help people. I kind of set it up like a reference Bible almost where during your career, you could keep coming back. You know, now you're a lieutenant. There's a chapter on having a difficult employee. What do I do with a difficult employee? You can go back and reread that section that helps you set up the different steps to being dealing with someone who's a difficult employee and other things like that. I love that. That's good stuff. You mentioned that you're writing a new book about PTSD and mental health. Can we talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. When you're saying that you guys do a lot, it's a lot of pressure. Like you're responsible for like lives and saving things, but I know it's very rewarding too. Do you guys find that a lot of people within the fire service end up with PTSD? It's becoming more understandable now that this is what's happening to people. I don't know if you've ever seen this. I, I, I really enjoy history and a lot of military history. I really enjoy reading it, watching it, listening to it. If you've ever seen military men and women, but especially men, because back in the older times, it was mostly all men at that time, talking about like World War II or the Vietnam War, wars like that, it's always been the same way. They came home and they never spoke about it. You know, they just didn't talk about it and they, they, they moved on. But now when you see them in their interviews in their 70, 80, they get very emotional. You know, they, they cry, they talk about the men that they lost, their, their partners on the field. And I think what a part of that is, Shante, is that things build up over time. And then we as people, we get older and more frail. So we're not as strong to be able to handle them as well. So in the fire service, you're there 25 years, 30 years, and you're running calls constantly. Now, look at these sad events that have just happened, the 4th of July shooting, the school shootings, the different things like this. Besides the police going in there, the fire service has to go in and handle these individuals. They have to take care of them. They have to bandage them. They have to bring them to the hospital. They're seeing horrific things that they're wow. never going to get out of their mind. They might see a car crash with a child, you know, uh, physically. I don't, yeah. I want to, I don't want to use tough language, but in, in very terrible shape, right. you know, uh, burn victims. I'll tell you one that really affected me and still does. And I have a hard time talking about it, but so if I get emotional, I'm going to try to control myself, but an older population in the town of Palm beach. And we would run calls. We probably ran more death calls from heart attacks than just about anybody around us. And you would go there, Shantae, and you were serving these people. And here is you walk in this room. And here's this woman, for example, screaming and crying and grabbing you, saying, please help my husband, please help my husband. And then he's on the floor, and then you're doing CPR, and she's crying in the background. And you're there 45 minutes pumping him full of drugs and CPR and trying everything you can to get him to revive. He doesn't revive. There's nothing you can do. Now, you have to go back to this woman, and you have to say, I'm really sorry. There's nothing we can do. Yeah. And then she grabs a hold of you and she's bawling, crying. And I can't tell you many times tears were rolling down my face and I just couldn't take, 
you know, they would be there. What am I going to do? We've been together 50 years. We've been together 60 years. We've been together 40 years. I don't know what to do. What do I do? So I would leave those calls. And the first thing I would do is I'd call my wife and I would just try. Sometimes I would just have to hear her voice. I couldn't talk. I would just say, you know, can you just please talk? I can't, I can't, you know, I'd have to get over that and get past that because I'm sitting there watching. And you know what I'm thinking, Shantae, is one of the days it's going to be either my wife or me going through this very thing. One day it's going to be one of us in this traumatic, terrible experience of losing the loved one that they spent their entire life with. And if you do that- That's why I love that you wrote this book because you're definitely giving back. You know what I'm saying? And like, you were tired, but it's like, hey, you know, I'm still looking out for you guys. And these are principles that I can help with you guys over here as well. I think that they definitely need it because this job sounds like it's a lot. And so I love that you're writing the PTSD book. Some places are starting to recognize the the effect that this is having and they're they're starting certain programs. Um, But I think we're well behind. We have to And my book is going to be geared towards fire, police, nurses, doctors, everyone in the emergency field, because they all are affected by those things that build up. In this book that we have, the fire service leadership respond by fire, in that book, there is a chapter at the end of the book that talks about PTSD a little bit from a lieutenant or an officer standpoint about looking out for those that you lead, making sure here's signs and symptoms of PTSD. Here's how it can affect an individual. This is why it's important to discuss it. So from an officer's standpoint, there's a chapter on that. But the next book is going to be more about how do we handle these certain things? So I've been contacting doctors in the field and and getting a lot of medical information. And I'm hoping that that will be something that we can put in each firehouse changed every year. We had to every year get tested on that. We had to go over it and be tested on it once a year, every single year. I'm hoping that this is a reviewable thing, not that there's a test, but it's a reviewable thing that once a year. A book could be in the firehouse. It talks about PTSD. It tells individuals what signs and symptoms they should look out for. Because some, when you read the signs and symptoms, Shantae, sometimes you'll see and like, well, I do feel that way, but maybe it's something else, you know? But once you start adding pieces together, there's a lot of things that you could do to help prevent it, like meditation, yoga, massages. These are all things that are mentioned and why not take advantage of that to start with? So I'm hoping there's a book there that they can review, that they themselves can say, you know what? I did have a couple of tough calls this last year. I've been a little anxious with my family, a little short with them, with my mate, my partner. You know, I, I am having a little more difficulty sleeping at night. I am experiencing some of these things. Let me start to see, you know, if I can put some of these things into effect to help before it builds up to a point where, you know, you go over the cliff and it's too, it's too far gone then, you know? Yeah. Don't ignore it. It's okay to have the awareness. Cause I think when we have awarenesses of things and I'm not even in that type of arena, I can only imagine, but when we, when we have the awareness and then we just push it out the way, like, ah, I'll be fine. Right. And we keep doing it. I think that's when we get to that place of that breaking point. Cause like you've had enough up to, yeah. you know, that saying they go, I've had it up to here. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 yeah it could, it, and then it pushes you past that. And that's the breaking point. You don't want to get to that breaking point. Absolutely not. Lieutenant, I told you about with the baby that drowned. That was my first experience of, of seeing the immediate effects of that. And 
it was not handled well. But then shortly after that, a couple of years later, they, they brought something into the firehouse called Critical Incident Stress Debriefing, so CISD. So what that was, was whenever we hit a, a very bad situation, they would bring in counselors and they, whoever the crew was, they would sit there if they wanted to talk about it for a couple of weeks, you know, hey, we talk about this and they get it off their chest. Now, that's proven to initially that was going to, that was like the, the golden thing. Everybody was doing it. They were jumping on board with that. But what they found in the industry that that really doesn't handle the whole situation, because what happens is people internalize for a while, you know, like I sit there and tell you about calls that I ran on older folks, I can't even tell you who they are. And if you pointed out to me, this is the person, I wouldn't be able to tell you, but I could tell you the effect it's still having on me today. Even children that I ran on, I still have that effect that's happening on me today. So what happens is people internalize these things. You need a longer term solution. Mm -hmm. And you also need sometimes to do more than just talk about it. Critical incident stress debriefing was a start but I think we have to take it to the next level now. We have to get a little bit deeper. And there is a, there's a stigma in the fire service. As I spoke to you before, it's a macho job. And sometimes having emotions involved in it, people are afraid to show their emotions because they don't want to be labeled as somebody who's weak. And they also, they don't want to affect their promotional opportunities. You know, mm -hmm. so we have to work on getting rid of the stigma as well. All that conditioning since we were kids. Yes. <laughs> it started at home with stop crying. You're a boy. Yep. <laughs> you yep. know, be a big boy. Boys don't cry. Yep. Yeah. That's why, so Shante, podcasts like what you're doing are so important. Honestly, teaching individuals that, yes, all these things that we were taught, many of the things didn't really help us. They, they kind of took us off in a different area. And maybe that's what they thought was best at the time. It wasn't a harmful thing like they were trying to harm us. But we're getting better and better educated. We're better at understanding the human body, the psyche, how we act and how things affect us. And so it's yeah. important to do the things that you're doing as well in affecting and getting out in the audience and saying, look, there's these other things that we can do to help ourselves to be better people and to help other people to be better people. I love it. It's good stuff, John. Good yes. stuff. Yes. The name of the book is titled Leadership Refined by Fire. John, is that you on the front of the cover? No, no. Oh, okay. I, <laughs> I thought about doing that, but you know what? <laughs> I, if you know, Shante, I don't even have a, a web presence. I, I've never had a social media. I'm not one of these interviews. My wife was kind of shocked that I wanted to do a book because I'm, I'm really kind of a behind the scenes kind of person. I'm not a, an out in front I even asked you before we started if this was going to be videotaped, you know, and I, and I get it. This is where we're going and I yeah. have to get out there. And my publisher keeps pushing me to do a web page. But no, that's not me on the front cover. But there are lots of pictures of me in the book. I don't know if you saw that yet. Starting in my career early, my wife, my kids, my nephews and nieces, fires that I went on and training things that I did as well. I tried I to make it. it a little more personable. I love what you've done with this book. And I'm saying congratulations. I could see how they could get confused where they're thinking my strong means that I, I can't show emotion about yeah. a loss of something. That's totally different. When people are talking about strong today, they don't mean that. They mean yeah. something totally different, which is yeah. to get up every day and continue to go back. Exactly. After going on your first fire. Because yeah. on the first fire, John, 
You're done. I'd be like, hey, hey, you guys, I quit. Turn your back in. <laughs> yeah, Keep can it. I get my check and I'm out? <laughs> so thank you yeah. so much for your service. You did us very well, firefighter, yeah. and you were in the service. So yeah. thank you thank so you. much. Appreciate Where can we find the book? Any book dealer, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere you buy books, it'll be there. It's as of May 20th, it went on publishers. And if you bring it to a firehouse and anyone is interested in, I can get with you after the podcast and give you some personal information. My goal, one of my goals is to go to other departments and teach, bring these points out, help in any way I possibly can. I want to affect the fire service because I feel the fire service affects people so much. Oh yeah. So I really want to have a positive effect. First on America, because that's our country. And then if I can, the world, I would love to. But, you know, if, if I had that ability, I want to affect humanity in a, in a positive way, the best way I possibly can. So I'm trying my best to do whatever I can do, my part. You're doing your part. You're on your way. Thank You're you. doing it. Without social media, how can people get in contact with you? I do have a website. So it's fdleadership.com. And you can get in contact with me right, you know, through there, I answer those emails. I guess I do have to get into social media. I don't know. I just, you know, Shantae, the whole thing is with me, I'm super busy. I spent a lot of time trying to take care of my wife and my children, my job, and always had other jobs that I did. You know, I've, I've been investing in the stock market. And, and if you read my book, you'll see I was the um, pension representative for the fire and police department for 10 years. I managed their pension fund while I was there. So always had a lot of things going on, always learning a lot of things. And sometimes people get upset at you when you don't answer them right away. And I've never been very good at that. So I said to myself, social media is one more thing I can't, if I don't, people put stuff on a, on a Facebook and if, apparently you have to comment on it or something. And if I don't comment, <laughs> someone's going to be mad at me. So I was like, you know what? I had so many friends. It was the easiest thing to just say, Hey, I'm not even on it. I'm sorry. Did you see my picture on Facebook? I don't have Facebook, so I'm sorry, but, uh, but we'll see. I'll have to, to figure something out, but I do have that website fdleadership.com. Like you said, I'm just starting it off. I'm going to build it up slow and see how it works out. Well, congratulations again. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I enjoyed um, talking with you. It's been a pleasure. pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure. I really enjoyed it too, Shantae. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed meeting you and talking with you. And again, thank you so much for what you're doing. I really appreciate that. I, we all need this, especially now. It seems like uh, it's difficult times out there, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah. All of the information for John is located in the show notes and be sure to pick up the book Leadership Refined by Fire. Firefighters guide to develop leadership skills, motivate and inspire others and deliver exceptional care for the public. I wanted to have that public piece in there because as you see in the book, it's a big part of what I believe in caring for the public. I loved that part, you know, and, um, I wish I could do more still. I think you're doing a great job, John. Thank you so much. I really do. Well, you guys, you gotta love it. I absolutely enjoyed learning about all of the different things that a firefighter is responsible for whenever they arrive on scene. And it is absolutely amazing to know that this person has to do so many things like to keep us alive, keep people safe. And I just want to take a moment to say thank you so much for your service to all these firefighters for going out there and doing what it is that you signed up to do and just showing up as the leader that you are and it definitely 
does mean that you have to have that skill to me in order to be in a role like this because you have to be able to think quick on your feet. I appreciate this book coming out and you guys be sure to pick up this book. It's available on Amazon and and everywhere where books are sold. I always say how books make the greatest gift to give and uh, I think it's a special gift to give someone. I think that this is a great opportunity for people to maybe take it a step further with an act of kindness by dropping off a copy of a book like this to your fire department, your local fire station, and uh, let them know that you decided to do an act of kindness uh, as a way of saying thank you. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with family members and friends and be sure to rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I'm Shantae with Authentic Talks.